Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Are you ready for the Word? <laughs> Open your Bibles, if you would. We're going to be ending up here uh, after a, a, a little walk through Hebrews chapter 11, a few verses, Hebrews chapter 11. We will be in Judges for just a moment this morning, and uh, we're going to be talking about trust. Trust. Uh, I don't know about you, but I want you to know that I have some questions for which I have no answers. You? You ever have questions that you just didn't have any answers for? And, and uh, you know, without respect to what you believe, you still have questions most likely. No matter what I believed, if I believed in this, that, or the other thing, there would still be questions uh, for which uh, answers would just not be available. And I have realized that at every, you know, everyone at some point has to trust something that they cannot see, something that they cannot know, uh, something that they do not have an answer for. Everyone at some point in life is going to be challenged to trust something that they do not know. And what we trust is up to us. Now, from my experience in life and, uh, you know, being a pastor, being a policeman, being, a, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, uh, just a, a, a dad, and uh, uh, I realize that a lot of people trust their logic. There are logical people, you know, based, you know, on their knowledge, their experience. I mean, I've got to know it. I have had to experience it, either my knowledge, my experience. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, as, as long as it makes sense, then I can reach a little bit toward it. You know, I mean, if I can't see it and I can't touch it, if I can just go towards it because it makes sense to me, because it's, it's, it's logical. I'm a logical person. I mean, I solve a lot of problems by logic and by reason. I'll step back. You know, someone asked me to look at a bracelet this morning. And so what I did, I looked at it. Because the longer I look at it, the more I'll know about it. And so I just looked and I looked and, and I finally decided, well, I think I could fix this. But this is what I need to fix it. I'm very logical. Okay? And many times people will trust their logic. And many times if it's not logical... You're just not going to trust it. Just not going to believe it. You know, uh, if uh, many people are so logical that if it cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted. That's their approach. If it cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted. You know, if we can't see it, can't feel it, if it doesn't make sense to us, then it is just not to be trusted. Not true. I'm not going to believe it. There are other people that, that are more emotional. You know, if you are a logical person and, ever, and you've ever tried to have an argument with an emotional person, <laughs> lots of luck with that one. You know, you cannot nail them down by logic. They are emotional. And, and, and without respect to what logic may dictate, how they feel is bigger than anything else. How they feel about it. 
What a person thinks, imagines, wants, believes, feels about something is often the truth for that person. Uh, despite, you can say, they, they can say, you know, oh, you know uh, uh, I was alone all day. And you can show them where they weren't. This doesn't change it. They feel like they were alone all day and they were alone. They were alone all day. That's just, and, 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 and that's, that's, that's the truth. Uh, you know, if it feels right, I'll trust it. If it doesn't feel right, I won't. It's all based on feelings, you know, and both logic and emotion, by the way, are fruits. You know, most of the time they are the fruit of a situation, not the root of a situation. Many times, uh, Logic is based on the limited amount of information you have about that subject at any time. And logic, that point of view based on logic, is subject to change. When you get more information, then it changes the truth. Right? Uh, if you learn things you didn't know and you're logical and you start having to add other information to it, it can change what you did believe was true, now you'll start believing something else. Y'all looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you do. I know that look. You're going, oh, yeah, oh, my, yes. You know, logic and emotions may change, but truth never does. If you get more information, then your logical reasoning, all of a sudden you'll back up and go, hmm, no, I was wrong about that. Let's, you know, this way. Uh, emotional person, more things happen, and they will never say I'm wrong, but they will, they will go, okay, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm more right now than I was then. Hello? <laughs> Feelings are subject to change, however, when circumstances change. For these reasons, emotions and logic are both poor indicators of truth. I know that doesn't seem logical to some of you. And for those of you who are emotional, you don't want to hear that. But some things can be figured out and some things cannot be figured out. Some things feel correct when they aren't. Neither logic nor emotion are dependable enough for eternity. We cannot allow only how we feel or only what we can prove to represent truth. It doesn't mean that, that you know, we have to throw away our logic or throw away our feelings. That's not it at all. We just cannot let them be the final word in our life in any situation, any circumstance, because there is a third element that is available to us. There is a third element that is available to the born-again believer. This third element transcends human logic. This third element uh, is, is superior to reason. This third element uh, is above the emotional makeup of an individual. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit who is never wrong, who does not change, 
has all the information up front, you know, uh, knows how God feels about it, what God thinks about it. You see, the Holy Spirit is not absent of logic, just superior to it. The Holy Spirit is not absent of emotion, but superior to emotion. It's superior to how we feel. It's superior to what we think. It doesn't mean that we won't feel and think things, but it does mean that we have an advocate with the Father, that we have audience with Almighty God, and it does mean that he also wants audience with us. The Holy Spirit is that unexplainable element that we often encounter when we are in the middle of a situation and something is speaking to us louder than how we feel. Something is speaking to us deeper than what we can think or figure out. That something is absolutely you know, a speaking to us in a stronger way than what we can think or feel or reason. That there's something holding us steady. That there's something that's an anchor to our soul. That there's something that, that is disallowing our minds to run that far down the road or to feel as though all is lost or to, to, to worry or to present you know, a, 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 some logic that stops God in his tracks. You see, the Holy Spirit is that voice that we put our trust in that Holy Spirit speaks in a different way, from a different place. And it's that Holy Spirit, when he speaks, and we trust what he says, that's called faith. Trusting what God is saying to you above what you think, above what you feel, that is faith. We have a deposit in our lives, a deposit of the faith of God that causes us and gives us an ability to, to step into believing and trusting God for the salvation of our souls, for the help that we need, for the answers that we do not have and will not have and cannot figure out. There is a voice of the Holy Spirit. There is a voice within my voice. When someone is sharing to you a message that comes from God, whenever you are reading a passage in the Word of God and that voice in your head you're hearing yourself read, whenever someone is singing or, or a podcast or, or you know, uh, some, uh, some website uh, uh, and, and, and you're hearing something, you know, often there is a voice in the voice. You hear what they're saying, but there's something speaking to you deeper. There's an amen on the inside of you. We must beware because the devil also is the voice in others' voices. Sometimes it's the devil that's the voice in our head that is trying to get past our reasons and our logic and trying to become the voice of truth for us. We have to be very watchful because many times 
The devil will manipulate our thoughts or will, will manipulate our emotions and then slip us a word and tell us, even like he tried to do to Jesus, slip the word of God in there. But it did not mean that Jesus was to tempt God and throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. Even though the devil had been messing with Jesus' mind, he had been messing with his emotions and Jesus was hungry and Jesus was tired and Jesus was at a, at, at, at a point in his life where the devil thought, I'll slip the word of God to him. But Jesus heard it not as the word of the Holy Spirit. He heard it as a voice of the devil wanting him to do something against all of the other scriptures and verses. Against what Jesus knew was the word, the will, and the way of God. You see, Jesus knew the word, he knew the will, and he knew the way. And he knew that God's way was not, a, was, was not going to tempt him. He should not be tempting God by throwing himself off of some high place. It went against the principles of God. That's something the Holy Spirit will never do. The Holy Spirit will never violate the word of God. The Holy Spirit will never violate the will of God. You cannot embrace a word that violates the will. The word of God is only the word of God when it is the word of God. When it is what God meant and God intended. But yet there is this voice. You may remember if you've read the story about Elijah, the prophet, he heard a still small voice that sounded different than anything else he had heard. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. The rushing mighty wind that blew upon those 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Oh, there was the Holy Spirit. It defied logic. It went against reason and it changed how they felt. You felt that gentle nudge. You felt that confirmation. You've heard that word that someone said. They didn't even know what they said. But to you, it on the inside went boom and it resounded. It sounded like gold. It sounded like tin. It hit you somewhere and it confirmed what God had been speaking to you. And all of a sudden, boldness comes up. Courage arises. Faith is there. And you're able to trust that. Trust. That's what we're talking about. I often wake up early in the morning with a word from God, a word that I can trust. You know, my faith in God's word has to be enough. My trust in God has to be enough to cover the questions that I have, which have no answers. Uh, you have probably experienced some of those same questions. Let me ask you a question. Where did Adam and Eve find wives for their sons? I don't know. I can't know. That's not something, logically, I could get stuck on that one. Right? And I'm a logical person. So I have learned in life that there are some questions that I do not have answers for and I probably can't get answers for. Why did God allow the serpent in the garden? Now, 
I can listen to a lot of commentaries. I can, I, I, I can search sermons and a lot of people's reasons and their conjectures and, and uh, you know, all of the, you know, but nobody knows. And I just have to deal with the fact that there's some things I'm just not going to know. And my trust in God needs to be superior to the things I can know, to the things I can figure out. When was the beginning? In the beginning, what does that mean? And what is on the other side of the very last thing? Does anybody know? No. Theories aren't truth. Conjecture, reasons, logical arguments, you know, pulpit pounding sermons don't impress me when it comes to things we don't know. But I know God. And just because I don't know does not mean I don't trust. Faith is believing in things that you cannot know and handle and take out and prove. It's the evidence of unseen things. I refuse to have more faith in a scientist than I do in God. <laughs> oh, now we're hitting home, aren't we? I refuse to have more faith in a situation than I do in God. That voice of the Holy Spirit has been such a comfort and such a calming agent in my life, especially when it comes to things I don't know. I've learned to say I don't know. And also, listen, uh, I put this in red as well. I, I have decided to not trust myself more than I trust the Word of God. <laughs> Whoa. I have decided I'm not going to trust myself more than I trust the Word of God. If God says forgive, I'm going to forgive. If God says love, I'm going to love. If God says give, I'm going to give. If God says go, I'm going to go. God says, feed the hungry, I'm going to feed the hungry. God says, give drink to the thirsty, I'm going to drink, give drink to the thirsty. You know, uh, hello, I'm not going to trust myself. And I'm certainly not going to trust you. And you shouldn't trust me more than you trust God. It might seem hard in the beginning but it'll sure look like it was easy when we get there. Looking back on it, we talked about that Wednesday night. We're in a series on miracles. It was a long walk for that man to the pool of Siloam with mud in his eyes. It must have seemed like an unfair requirement to participate in that miracle. But he didn't know if he was going to be healed or not. He didn't know it. He just trusted it. It was a long walk for a blind man. Probably 30 minutes. Stumbling here and there. Down a winding, steep, rocky path. But after he washed and his eyes were healed, I bet it seemed like a very small thing to have been asked to trust, 
to do. That's the way they all are. If you listen to the voice within the voice, you know, it will always agree with the word, the will, and the way of God. And, and there are several examples throughout the Bible which emphasize this truth. But, but uh, for the sake of time this morning, we cannot look at all of them. Okay? I figure there's somewhere about, uh, you know, 30,000. Uh, but in Hebrews 11, let me read a few verses before we hop to Judges really quickly. Hebrews 11, the New King James Version. The writer of Hebrews, talking about faith, talking about trust in God, says, And what more shall I say? Because he was just like me right now. For time would fail me to tell you <laughs> about Gideon and, and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens for the sake of time. He said, I can't tell you about all of them. And for the sake of time, I can't either, you know? Uh, we are limited just like he was by time. We also are limited by time. But I can get to one of them. And we're going to this morning take a little look at this judge named Gideon. Okay? And so we're going to be going to Judges chapter 6. And uh, let me catch you up. Gideon lived in Israel during the time of the Judges. That was a period of about 400 years between Joshua leading the children of Israel into the promised land and Samuel ordaining the first king, King Saul. There was about 400 year gap there. And this is when the judges lived in the book of Judges. Well, Gideon was one of those judges. Basically what would happen is the children of Israel because they did not have a king and because they weren't all together, they would end up straying from what God wanted them to do. And sure enough, uh, you know, enemies would come from outside and they would raid Israel. They would attack Israel. They would, you know, uh, and, and God would raise up someone to be a judge and deliver Israel. And that would be good for a few years. And then left to themselves again without leadership, without, you know, uh, they, they, would, they would find themselves, uh, you know, in trouble again. Uh, well, the children of Israel during this period when Gideon lived, they were in real trouble. Because the Midianites and the Amalekites would come into their country and the Midianites and the Amalekites, they did not like Israel. They didn't like the children of God. They didn't like the Jews. They felt like the Jews had displaced uh, some of their relatives from their lands. And so the Midianites and the Amalekites lived now in what would be Jordan and Syria in that area. And they would come across the Jordan River and they would, uh, you know, destroy their crops. 
When they would see them planting, they would come across in raids and bands of raiders and destroy their crops and, and burn their fields and, and, and they would steal all the food and all the grain that they had. And, and because there was no king in Israel and no leadership, there was just very little that could be done. And so Israel came into a real difficult time. This had been going on for a little over seven years and so there was hardly any food at all in Israel and this young man named Gideon, when we catch up with him in the sixth chapter of Judges, look at what he's doing. Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Orpah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while the, his son Gideon, who's a young man, he threshed wheat in the wine press. Let me stop there for just a moment. Threshing wheat is something you do out in the open. You know, you get it out on top of a hill somewhere, you lay it out, and you beat it, or you run a cart over it or something, and, 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 and you get it all, uh, you know, broken out of the husk, and then you winnow it. You do it out there so that you can pick it up in the air and let it fly up in the air, you know, maybe on a sheet or maybe with, a, you know, a little shovel or a little pick. And you throw it up and you let the wind blow the chaff away and the seeds which are heavier fall. Well, they're in the threshing phase, but he's doing it in the wine press. Why? In order to hide from the Midianites. <laughs> so he's, I mean, this is how bad it's gotten. The little bit of wheat that they have, they're having to hide just to get the husk off of it and get the seeds. Because if the Midianites see that they have it, the Midianites are going to come and get it. And uh, what a horrible time. Well, uh, the angel of the Lord here told Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon said, what? Now, here, here he is hiding in a little well shed. And he's, you know, threshing a little, a little wheat for the family in secret. And he's in hiding. And yet the angel of the Lord says, you are a mighty man of courage. A mighty man of valor. You, you are a valiant man. And Gideon, Gideon says, what? <laughs> Look around. I'm paraphrasing this, but you can read it. That doesn't make any sense to me at all. That's not logical. That makes no sense. And I certainly don't feel like a valiant man here in this little shed, you know, hiding from the enemy trying to get a little food for my family. Uh, what, you know, uh, what does this look like to you? In fact, Gideon said, I think the opposite is true. Gideon said, I think, you know, uh, God is actually against us. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the angel said, no, you're going to save Israel from, from the Midianites. <laughs> and Gideon goes, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, look at me. You're not making any sense, angel. Verse 15. So Gideon said to the angel, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Come on, take a look. You're not making any sense. Well, Gideon basically said, that's the silliest thing I've ever heard. 
pushing forward. I encourage you, for the sake of time, we can't go through it all, but push forward and continue, if you would, to read the 6th, 7th, and 8th chapter of the book of Judges. And what you will find out is that God helped Gideon to assemble 32,000 men together. 32,000 of the Israelite men came to Gideon and said, we'll go with you to fight the Midianites. That was a miracle. And then God said to Gideon, "Mm, I'll tell you what, Judges 7 verse 2, Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, Gideon, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the 32,000 people returned, and only 10,000 remained. Wow. That doesn't seem logical. That doesn't seem reasonable, and it wouldn't make me feel too good if I was one of the 10,000 that was left. We had 32,000, now we have 10,000. But verse number four, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. What, God? (laughs) Hello, what? Well, you can continue reading, but Gideon ended up with 300 soldiers. And the Bible says that the Midianites and the Amalekites In the valley of Jezreel were so many that it looked like locusts, and their camels were without number. And here Gideon is left with 300 people. Does this seem logical to you? Does this make you feel good? No. But it was the word of the Lord. This is what we call a Gideon revival. I've seen it in some churches. (laughs) Hello? We in the ministry kind of joke, are, are, are you having a Gideon revival of you know, 32,000 to 300? Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'm not losing weight. I'm just getting down to, to, my, to my fighting weight, you know? Not getting smaller. If they weren't afraid before, they sure had reason to be afraid now. But when the fighting started, you can imagine. God took over because it was a God plan. It defied reason. It defied logic. It, it, it defied emotion. It, 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 it actually came to the place where God took over because they were doing what God wanted God's way. And it didn't make sense to anybody else, but it made sense to God. And Gideon had the good sense to trust God beyond his reason, beyond logic, beyond emotion, beyond how he felt, beyond how others felt. Verse 28 of Judges 8, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. 40 years. Because they trusted God beyond what they could have put together on paper. Sometimes you have to trust God. Walk out on the water. I have decided to not make myself miserable just because I don't know the answer to something. Let me tell you, if you have a habit of allowing feelings, emotions, feelings, imaginations, worry, doubt, fear, 
If you have a habit of, of, if it cannot be tested, it cannot be trusted, if that is your habit, let me encourage you to pray with me in just a moment and ask God to deal with that. Because God is superior to reason, logic, and emotion. And we need to trust him. It is called faith. There is a peace that comes when we embrace faith. I don't know every answer to every question, but let me tell you what I believe. I close with this. I believe in miracles. I can't explain them. I believe in angels. I can't show you one. I believe in the Bible. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in salvation by faith through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross of Calvary. I believe that. I trust that. I trust and I believe in the resurrection. I believe that Jesus is coming again. I trust it. I believe it. I can't figure it out. I don't know when, but I believe it. I believe in heaven and I believe in hell. And it scares the living daylights out of me. But I believe that every soul will either be welcomed into an eternity with God or else they will be relegated to a lake of fire where there will be torment for eternity. I believe in my calling. I believe that God chooses people to use in certain ways. I believe he chooses everyone. And I believe in my calling. And I believe God has a plan for your life. I know that he wants to save you, bless you, and make you a blessing to others. I know he hears your prayers. I know he has a calling on your life. My word for you today is to trust him. Trust him today. Trust him. Trust him when you don't understand. Trust him when you don't feel like you would have done the same thing that is happening to you. Trust him above the circumstances, the situations, the hardship, the heartache, the trauma. Trust him. He has a plan. He's a good God. I believe he is a good God who loves us and has a plan for our life. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.